Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so thankful to have you join us today from wherever you're listening in. You can stay up to date with us at BethesdaChurch.tv or look us up on Facebook or Instagram. Now let's get ready to dive into today's word. Thank you so much for your giving. You guys excited to be back in-house? Amen. It's good. I'm excited that you're here. I'm excited to be back in-house. I'm excited about what God has to say today. Anybody ready for a word from God? Thank you to those that have joined us online as well. Um, we kicked off a series a couple of weeks ago. This will be week number three of the series that we're calling Monarchy. And the premise of the series is that God didn't come just to save us, but he came to establish his kingdom in the earth. That's what we were singing about just now. That his kingdom, the Bible tells us, it's an ever-increasing kingdom. Uh, of the increase of his government, there, there shall be no end, Isaiah the prophet said that this kingdom is being established, but it's being established in the earth, but it takes a people of God to understand what God is trying to accomplish. Um, and that's what I hope will come out of this series because the truth is in the New Testament, there are two parts that make up the gospel. When we look at the gospel as a whole, a lot of people will say it's, it's one message, but it, it's really, there's two parts to the gospel. Uh, first of all, there is the gospel of Jesus. And I think the body of Christ gets the gospel of Jesus. That's where salvation comes in. He died in our place so that you and I can be saved and we're prepared because of that for eternity. Anybody thankful that you're prepared for eternity? So that's the gospel of Jesus. I, I don't think we, you know, misunderstand that at all. I think we get it. But there is another part to the gospel and it is the gospel of the kingdom. It's the message that Jesus himself preached. He said church one time, but he said kingdom every other breath. He talked about a kingdom that was invisible, that would be on the inside of you and I. Um, and he said that he had given it to us to know the mysteries of this kingdom. And I think that um, a large part of the body of Christ, they are clueless as it relates to the gospel of the kingdom. They get the gospel of Jesus, but they're clueless about the gospel of the kingdom. And, and so that's what we're trying to talk to you about because in this series, Monarchy, we know that the word monarchy, and if you do not have that song, you need to download it, all right? Uh, it'll bless you. But monarchy means supreme power or sovereignty held by a single person. How many know Jesus is that single person that has all power, all sovereignty, all authority? Jesus has all that. And we're a part of this monarchy, a part of this kingdom. In week one, we talked about a new order. And then last week, we talked about raised to glory. That we learned that, it's, it, you know, the captain of our salvation, the writer of Hebrews said, that he is made perfect, not just by going to another level of glory himself, but he is made perfect by raising many sons and daughters to glory. That there's a level that God wants to raise you to, and he wants to raise me to. Um, today, I want to transition and talk about royalty. Everybody say royalty. Look at somebody sitting close to you and just tell them you are royalty. 
Now tell them, say, start acting like it. All right, start acting like it. Um, We're going to go to the book of Ephesians this morning, chapter number one. Very familiar passage of scripture. Um, But I want to read it from the amplified version. I want to start from verse number 17. The apostle Paul, he's writing here. He says, "I, I always pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory, he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. I want to stop right there and just say the spirit of wisdom is the ability to apply truth. It's the ability to apply. There's a lot of people that know truth, but they don't apply truth. Wisdom is the ability to apply the truth of God's word. He said, I I pray that God grants you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation. Revelation, the word, a lot of people, you know, they look at the last book of the Bible and think, I don't know what it means to have revelation. Revelation simply means an uncovering or an unveiling. It, It means that we have a new understanding of God's word. He continues, he says, that gives you a deep and personal and intimate insight into the true knowledge of him. For we know the Father through the Son. And I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and core of your being, may be enlightened, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit, so that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, God's people. And so that you will begin to know what the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power is in us. Anybody thankful that his power is active in those that believe? Like this, this, this power is not just stagnant. This, this power, Paul is saying, I want your eyes to be open. I, I want you to understand that this immeasurable greatness of God, this power, it's active in your life. He says, these are in accordance with the working of his mighty strength, which he produced in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, whether angelic or human, and far above every name that is named, above every title that can be conferred, not only in this age and world, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in every realm in subjection under Christ's feet and appointed him as supreme and authoritative head over all things in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills and completes all things in all believers." Can we give God just a hand clap of praise for that text? I mean, there's so, it's so rich. Thank you so much, Haley. We are royalty. That's what we've been establishing in the series, um, in bringing the kingdom into the earth. And what we have to understand is that if the kingdom of God is going to get into the earth, it's going to come into the earth through and by his people. Um, and not only is it going to come through and by his people, The kingdom is established through authority. Everybody say authority. It's established through the concept of authority. Uh, And I'm not sure that we've really captured the idea of authority. 
the New Testament scriptures speak a lot to us about the authority that we have received through Jesus. Jesus told us that when the Holy Spirit comes upon us that we would receive power, we would receive authority. But what I think we miss many times is that when Jesus died and he was buried and then he got up on the third day, when he ascended to the right hand of God, at that moment, he transferred the authority that he was demonstrating in the earth, he transferred that authority to his body. In other words, you and I are supposed to be people of dominion. The, the book of Ephesians is, is not for the faint of heart because the book of Ephesians is a book about possessing the promises. It's about walking in dominion. It's about every place that the soles of your feet touch, you need to be taking it. That's why Paul said in chapter one, he said, I'm praying that God grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And, and why is he praying that for us? So that we could know who we are in Christ, and what Christ has made available. See, if we don't know who we are in Christ and what Christ has made available, we will forfeit the authority that God has given to us. And here's, here's what I want you to get. Our level of authority is connected to our understanding of both who we are and what he's made available. And, and so with that, if I don't have revelation on, on these issues, on, on that subject matter, then I may be ready for heaven. I've got the gospel of Jesus, but I'm not ready to bring heaven into the earth, which is the gospel of the kingdom. And this separates a lot of people in the church because a lot of people were raised with a theology of, we're just waiting to get out of here. Jesus, can you please come back? Some of you during COVID, could you just, Lord, come quickly, right? We just, we just want him to come. But, but until he comes, he told us, occupy until I return. Do kingdom business until I return. Don't, don't just be focused on escaping, but focus on bringing my power, my authority, my kingdom, my dominion into your sphere of influence. And, and so there, there, there needs to be a level of maturity in the body where we're not just waiting. If he comes today, praise the Lord. But if he doesn't come for another year, if he doesn't come for another five years, I don't know when he's coming. No man knows the day or the hour. Until he comes, I have to exercise the authority and the dominion that he has given me and do kingdom business on his behalf. Come on, somebody, if you believe that today. That's what we were called to do. And, and so um, Satan, uh, if, you, if you look at the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve we, we, I think in week one, we talked about the authority that Adam had. Everything he said, it was. The way God ruled heaven is the way Adam ruled the earth. I mean, he said it, it was done. He ruled the world with his words. But when Satan came into the garden to tempt Adam and Eve, the reason he was successful is because Adam and Eve forgot who they were. So Satan presented um, this opportunity. If you take of this tree, you'll become like God. Problem. They were already like God. 
They were made in his image. They were made after his likeness. They were walking in the glory of God. And Satan convinced them that they were not who God said they were. Do you know what's happened to a large part of the body of Christ? We have forgotten who we are. We have forgotten that we are royalty. We have forgotten that we are the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. We have forgotten that we have been anointed for such a time as this, that we are people that know the times and the seasons and what to do in these seasons. But many of us, we have forgotten all that in the midst of COVID-19, race wars, the burning down of cities. We sit and watch Fox News all day long and wonder why we're depressed, watching CNN all day long, wondering why we don't have joy, watching all this garbage on social media, wondering why we don't have peace. And and the point is, is that if we get distracted with all this stuff, then we forget who we are and what he's made available and we start living distracted and we forfeit our authority. We got to get back to what he called us to do. And I'm talking to the people of God. See, when we give our life to Jesus Christ, we become like God. Religious people just got mad. Yeah, what do you mean, Pat? We, we like God. You're like God. Your spirit, your born-again spirit is, is like God. It doesn't mean that we have arrived. It doesn't mean um, that we know everything. We still have to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord. We have to mature. We have to develop. We got to grow in the kingdom. But we are like God when we are born again. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus approached, breaking the silence, said to them, all authority, all power of rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Again, I have all power, I have all authority, but what we read out of Ephesians chapter one is that when he ascended to the right hand of the Father and he sat down at the right hand, that he transferred the authority to the people of God. He is the head of the church, we are the body. All right? Head and body connected. Jesus' authority was demonstrated um, as he uh, did his ministry, but now it's supposed to be demonstrated through his people who make up the body. So, So he ascended to the right hand of God and he sat down. And the reason he sat down is because on the cross he said, It is finished. In other words, if you need a miracle in your life, Jesus is not going to get up and come down here and do a miracle for you. Jesus has already provided your miracle. You just got to know how to access it. It's not that he's going to get up and go to work on your behalf. He's seated. How many of Jesus don't have to do another thing? He already provided the healing I needed, the miracle I need, the financial breakthrough I need, the wisdom I need. He said, it is finished. So how do we access it? You got to know who you are. If you don't know who you are, you'll never access what he's made available. Anytime the Bible mentions the right hand of God, it's speaking of a place of authority, power, and it's, a, it's also a position of royalty, all right? That's the right hand of God. Um, Paul said, we need a spirit of wisdom and revelation because he wanted us as believers, that's who he's talking to in Ephesians 1, he wanted us to see that this is not something God is going to do. This is something God has already done. We need a spirit of wisdom and, and, and revelation to access, to see what God has already made available. Then in verse 19, it says, and so that you can know, 
and understand what is, what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe, as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength. I'm going to say it like this. The most powerful thing that God has ever done was demonstrated when he raised Christ from the dead. That was the boldest, most amazing thing that God did because we understand Satan wanted Jesus crucified, right? He wanted him crucified. Um, He wanted him killed. He wanted his ministry to stop. But the Bible says that if Satan had known what was about to happen on the third day, he would have never crucified the Son of God. And the reason is because when Jesus got up on the third day, he got up with all power, all authority, all dominion. Come on, he took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Like he came up with all power, and it wasn't just going to be Jesus had authority. It was now that his body, his people would now have authority, and Satan realized, I've messed up because what was in Christ is going to be multiplied. I'm about to preach today. But what is in Christ, is about to be multiplied in the body. Do we have a body of people ready to receive all that God has for us? Come on, church. It says that when he got up, Satan was so confused and defeated. Look at Colossians 2.15. It says, when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, those supernatural forces of evil operating against us, he made a public example of them exhibiting them as captives in his triumphal procession, having triumphed over them through the cross. And the reason that's important is that the same spirits that came against Jesus are the same spirits that come against us. And the Bible says that he he made a public spectacle out of the devil and all his demons. Like he, he made a show out of them. And the good news for you and I is, is that Jesus has already defeated every principality, every power, every spirit that's been assigned against your life. And and, and here's what we got to grab. In ancient times, when a king would defeat another king, they would, they would drag the dead king and the captives, they would drag them through the city and have a parade like to show um, their nation or where they were from, what what had happened? They would they would they were displaying the victory, and that's what Jesus did on the cross. Specifically, when he got up on the third day, he had his own parade, dragging Satan and every demon in hell, and made a public spectacle out of them, showing us that Jesus is King. Watch this of kings. Some of y'all missed that part right there. He's King of kings. There's a king in every, one, in every one of you. That's why I'm calling this message, message royalty. You, there's a king in you. There's a queen in you. And so that's what Jesus accomplished. And the spirit of wisdom and revelation that Paul prayed for us helps us to see what he accomplished, what he's made available. If you look at verse 21 of Ephesians 1, it says, Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, every name that is named, above every title that can be conferred, not only in this age and in this world, but also in the age and the world which are to come. Our source of authority comes from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How many know if Jesus doesn't get up on the third day, we don't have authority? The reason we have authority is because he conquered 
death. He conquered hell. He, he conquered the grave. And Paul prayed that we would see this. He wanted every church, he wanted every believer to see this. And, and most of us, we overlook the authority that has been given to us. This is not something um, that you're going to get through your intellect. Some of us, we're missing out because we're trying to think our way there. We're trying to just, you know, rationalize we have authority. But, but what God wants to give you um, on the level of revelation is going to far exceed your mental uh, limitation. All right? Like, like, let me say it like this. What God puts in here many times far exceeds what's in here. How many know sometimes God deposits something so big in your spirit, it takes your mind a while to catch up? And so that's why, what Paul's talking about. He's like, you, you're going to need a spirit. You're going to need an anointing to understand what he's made available to you. You're going to need to get this by the spirit. And when you come over to Ephesians chapter 2, it starts in verse 1. It says, and you he made alive when you were spiritually dead. Anybody thankful that Jesus has made you alive? Check this out. He made you alive. And I'll, I'll drop down to verse 4 where it says, But God, being so very rich in mercy, because of his great and wonderful love with, he, with which he loved us, even when we were spiritually dead and separated from him because of our sins, he made us spiritually alive together with Christ. For by his grace, his undeserved favor and mercy, you have been saved from God's judgment. This is where it gets really good. And he raised us up together with him when we believed and seated us with him in the heavenly places because we are in Christ Jesus. And he did this so that in the ages to come, he might clearly show the immeasurable and unsurpassed riches of his grace, his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus by providing for our redemption. Paul says, I pray a spirit of wisdom and revelation. I want you to know what he's made available. And then he says, when Jesus got up, not only did Jesus get up, but you got up. See, a lot of people don't recognize, but when Jesus was, cruci was crucified, you were there. When, when he was buried, you were buried. But when he got up, once we come to faith, Paul clearly says that we also got up when Jesus did. It means that he made us alive. And, and so the tragedy today of people that would die outside of a relationship with Christ, um, the tragedy is people going to hell when provision has already been made. How I many know that's the real tragedy? Why go to hell when provision has been made? Why continue on the dark path when Jesus has already made a way for you to know God and spend eternity with him? The spirit of wisdom and revelation is the ability to see things from God's perspective. The problem in the church is, and I'm going to go old school on y'all, because I, I taught on this years ago. Some of y'all won't even remember. But um, the problem in the church is, is that we have an earthbound theology. We have an earthbound theology uh, instead of a kingdom theology. And, and what I mean by that, I think the best place that illustrates it, I won't read it for sake of time, but in Luke's gospel, chapter number 13, the Bible talks about a woman who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. That's a long time to be sick. And, and, and her spirit of infirmity had her bent over 
all right? This was the infirmity. She was stuck in a position being bent over. I think prophetically it speaks to us about where the church is. You say, well, pastor, what do you mean by that? Um, I think the church is more focused on the dirt realm, the dust realm, the earth realm, than we are the kingdom of heaven realm. We, we know more about COVID-19 than we do the Word of God. We, we know more about what's going on with race relations than we do loving God and loving our neighbor. We know more about Fox News and CNN and social media than we do what God has said over your life and over my life. We have an earthbound theology where we are focused on the dust and then we wonder why we are distracted. We wonder why we don't have peace. We wonder why we don't have joy. It's because you have an earthbound. You're bent over. But the Bible says Jesus, after 18 years, healed this woman who was bent over and she went from an earthbound theology to a heaven theology. And I believe God's wanting to raise our head a little bit so that we can see what's in heaven through the spirit of wisdom and revelation and then access that and pull it into our space. Come on, somebody, if you believe that. A great example of that, great example of that is, is Isaiah. Isaiah the prophet. If you go read the book of Isaiah, the first five chapters, depressing. I, I, I don't mean to be mean. I'm just saying Isaiah's in a bad mood. He's frustrated. And the whole, the first five chapters, all Isaiah says is woe, W-O-E. Woe to this, woe to that, woe is me. Everything, for five in, entire chapters, his message is woe. Like this is the prophet, you don't want to show up at his revival. He is mad, he's not happy about anything, and you, you probably don't want to hear his prophetic word the first five chapters. But something interesting happens in chapter 6 that says that in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah came to church and he saw the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now, if you know anything about the train of a king's robe, the length of the robe determined how many victories he had. I wonder how many victories God had if the train of his robe filled the entire temple. There wasn't even room for it. And Isaiah goes from chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, whoa, 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 whoa. Chapter 6, it says that he sees the Lord high and lifted up, and it's no longer whoa, it's now holy Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with the glory of God. I'm telling you, if you'll get your head out of the news and out of certain circles, your message won't be woe in this hour, but your message will be holy is the Lord God Almighty. His glory is covering the earth as the waters cover the sea. We, we, we got to get out of this mindset. Listen, our theology is messed up if we have to change it every time a world event happens. Y'all know those preachers that change their theology every time a world event happens. Whole new theology based on the event. I don't have to base my theology on any event. And here's the biggest problem. Most of us, because we are so entitled in this nation, we only see um, from the perspective of America. Did you know there's a world out there 
that's bigger than the United States of America. So much bigger than the United States of America. But we only see what God wants to do through what we're going through, what we're facing. But there's, there, my goodness, there's seven billion more people. The world is much bigger than the U.S. And so if we got to change our theology every time a pandemic happens or every time, you know, uh, we got war or we got this or we got that and now we're, we're changing everything, how many know we've, we've messed up theology? At the end of the day, occupy till he comes. Until Jesus returns, occupy. Do kingdom business on his behalf. The word instructs us she had a spirit of infirmity, was bent over, and Jesus healed her. The woman in Luke chapter 13. And then Isaiah went from an earthbound message to a kingdom message once he saw God high and lifted up. See, when we get stuck in an earthbound mentality, we always focus on one day it'll get better. One day I'll be good enough. One day, you know, it's going to get, this situation will turn around one day. But if we could get a glimpse of what's going on in heaven right now, we wouldn't be saying one day. We would be saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We, We would go from that woe mentality and we would start declaring the kingdom of God. In God's mind, when Jesus was raised from the dead, we were also raised from the dead. The passage shows us that he conferred his authority on his body. The head is Jesus. The body is us. I hope if you ever think about me, maybe you don't, that's cool too. But if you ever like think about me, I hope you don't separate my head from my body. Like you see two images, a body with no head and then his face. How many of that's weird? I think a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to separate Christ, the head, from his body, the people. The the head and the body, it's not two people, it's one. My head and body doesn't make me two people. It makes me one. So Jesus has conferred his authority, his headship, on the body. Um, Matthew chapter 8, go read that on your own time. In Matthew chapter 8, Jesus comes on the scene, and the first thing he does is he takes authority over leprosy. He heals a man with leprosy, and he's immediately healed. And he moves from healing a man with leprosy to coming into contact with the, the Roman centurion. And you guys know the Roman centurion story where Jesus said, I'll come to your house and heal your paralyzed servant. And the Roman centurion said, you don't have to come to my house. I understand authority. Just speak the word. Like, and Jesus spoke the word, and, and the paralyzed servant was healed at the moment Jesus said it. Again, we see a picture of authority. He moves from the Roman centurion to Peter's mother-in-law, and she's sick, and Jesus raises her up. He takes authority over the sickness. He goes from healing Peter's mother-in-law to getting on the boat with the disciples, and a storm hits. And then when the storm hits, the disciples think they're about to die. Jesus stands up and says, where's y'all's faith? And he takes authority over the storm. Come on, y'all, this is crazy. Like the wind and the waves obey him because he takes authority. He goes... This is 
was Matthew 8, one chapter. And the two demon-possessed men were so crazy that the Bible says that people did not even pass by that way because they didn't want to run into the two jokers hanging out in tombs or whatever else they were doing. But when Jesus showed up, they came running. But you know what they did? They dropped to their knees and said, Jesus, you know, Son of God, Son of Man, what are you doing here? And Jesus took authority over the demons and cast them into the pigs. So leprosy, I got authority. Sickness, I got authority. Demons, I got authority. The storm, I got authority. Jesus is demonstrating authority all through it. But right in the middle of Matthew chapter 8, there's this little verse that preachers use to promote poverty, and it has nothing to do with poverty. It's almost like the verse doesn't fit. Matthew chapter 8, verse 20, Jesus replied to them, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. I got to first of all dispel that this verse is promoting poverty. Jesus had 12 full-time staff members and a treasurer. He wasn't poor. Poor compared to heaven, I guess, but they didn't want for anything. They had all their needs met. Some people will even go, they'll use that verse, preachers will use that verse to say, you need to be poor, Jesus was poor. This is not a verse about poverty. They'll also take the one Jesus being born in a manger. He was born in a manger in a barn because there was no room at the hotel. Read the Bible. They came with money for a hotel room, but everybody was being taxed, and there was no more rooms left. So now he's, so don't, don't give me this Jesus is poor. He was not poor, all right? It's not a verse about poverty. Right in the middle of five instances throughout the chapter that I just showed you, that's all that's in there is authority. He says, foxes have holes, birds have, of the air have nests, but the Son of God, the Son of Man, I don't have anywhere to lay my head. Jesus was showing us, I'm operating in authority. I've got a level of dominion. I've been showing you in Matthew 8. I've been showing you, I can take leprosy on, demons on, the storm on. But he says, foxes have whole. In other words, foxes have their domain. Birds of the air have their domain where they can kind of rule their environment. But he's saying, I don't have anywhere to lay my head. Headship is authority. I don't have anywhere to rest my headship, to lay my head, my authority on some. I don't have anywhere to put it. I just have a feeling that Jesus is is asking us today, will you be a body of believers that I can show up and rest my authority, rest my dominion, rest my power on you? Come on, somebody, if you're ready to be a church where he can trust his headship and his authority to his body. Can he lay his authority on us in this season. See, Paul is talking about the fact that Jesus got up on the third day, ascended to the right hand of the Father, and and I love this, Jesus is in a seated position. He's sitting down, y'all, and he ain't getting up. He's done. You know, I've said it before, Jesus left the earth, but Christ never did. Christ is the anointing. The anointing never left. Jesus left, but the anointing didn't. He transferred the anointing to the body. 
All right? He's in a seated position. Now, we, we celebrate Jesus is in a seated position. But here's the real kicker. You and I are seated with him. We are seated in Christ in heavenly places. Now, this is crazy because he is, how many know Jesus is a king? And you don't sit in the presence of a king. If you walk into a presence of a king, you're behind better be standing. Right? You stand. You don't sit. It would be dishonorable. But it says that you and I are also seated with the king of kings in heavenly places. Herein lies the revelation. 1 Peter 2 and 9. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchase, special people, that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are seated in Christ in heavenly places because we are royalty. We are royalty. That's why we are seated there. There is a king, there is a queen inside of every person under the sound of my voice. He said in the book of Revelation that we are a kingdom of priests. And what, what this means is not only are we a kingdom of priests, we are heirs with God, joint heirs with Jesus, which means that Jesus is my big brother. I'm part of his family. I'm connected to the vine. Come on, somebody. I'm in the vine. I'm part of royalty, which means that whatever belongs to God now belongs to me. Whatever belongs to God now belongs to me. How many know that in your house, I don't know how it is at your house, but anything I got, it belongs to Karen, Elijah, Zeke. Well, really, it all belongs to Everly, but y'all know what I'm talking about. It, 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 it's everybody's. That's, that's the way it works in the kingdom. Whatever belongs to God now belongs to you. Romans 5.17 says, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one, much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace and the free gift of righteousness, putting them into right standing with himself, watch this, they will reign as kings in life. This is not heaven, y'all. They will reign as kings in life through the one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Um, if we're going to reign the same way that Jesus did and we're going to take authority and exercise dominion because we know that we're royalty, then, then we do that not because we're all that in a bag of chips. Paul said, I'm praying that your eyes be open. I just want you to see something that he's made available that your works could never earn you. How many know we have this not because of anything we've done. We have this because of what Jesus has done. That his righteousness is a free gift and that if we believe and receive, then we can operate the same way that Jesus operated. Y'all getting anything out of this? Y'all getting tired? All right. You got another hour? Okay, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't have an hour. Well, I'd wear out. If, if we can get what I'm talking about, and I don't mean just here. Obviously, our mind has to be renewed to it. But we got to get it here. You got to catch this spiritually. Some people think we'll reign when we get to heaven. We'll reign during the millennial reign. We'll, we'll reign when the rapture takes place. But that's not what he says. He says they will reign in life right now. This is not like futuristic. This is people that have authority now. And, and, and so we are seated in that heavenly place. And the, and the point is 
is that we are the body of Christ. Again, we don't separate a head from the body. We connect them, all right? So we need to do a better job at, at, com, at communicating to the people of God that you are connected to the head. I think we have tried to separate the head from the body. And if we separate the head from the body, then we're all going to be messed up. But if we could ever get his headship, his authority, connected to the body, now we have some dominion. Now we have some authority. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says in verse 17, but the one who is united and joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. We are flesh of his flesh. We are bone of his bone. Um, what, What Jesus did on the cross was powerful. But what he did on the third day was even more powerful because he got up and he raised us up. Now, here's a couple more points. Worship team, y'all can come or I'll never shut up. I got way more notes than I got time. We live and behave in connection to our current level of revelation. You know why the people in the body of Christ act like crazy people? Because that's their level of revelation. They, they live, you, you, you like run into people and you're like, I thought they loved Jesus. Well, maybe they do, but if their revelation is here and God wants you to live here, how I many of that's a big gap? I can never live beyond my level of revelation. I can never live beyond not only my level of revelation, I can never live beyond my level of thinking. I gotta get my mind to think on the level of my revelation. How many know sometimes God deposits something in your spirit that it takes your mind a while to catch up with what God has put in your spirit? Bible tells us in in Psalms 8, verse 5, that you have been made, you have been made uh, a little lower than God, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. A lot of people get nervous when I talk about this, but we are the highest of all of God's creation. We are the highest of all of God's creation. We were created higher than the angels. We understand that that Satan was an angel. And and even at that, how many of he was a fallen angel? Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says that the angels are sent to minister to the heirs royalty of salvation that they come to minister on our behalf God is crazy in love with you and he wants you to know that you are royal he wants you to know who you are and with that being said the enemy, the reason he throws so many attacks in your direction and fiery darts in your direction and gossiping people in your direction and one problem after another in your, in your direction is all because he wants to distract you from who you are and what God has made available to you. But I want to tell some people today and just serve hell notice today that we don't have to be sick. We don't have to be depressed. We don't have to be broke. Come on, somebody. We don't, we don't have to live the way the world is living, that we are royalty. We're part of a monarchy, a part of the kingdom, and we can tap into that kingdom and bring it into our earth. If you believe that, can you give God the best praise you have all day? Come on, as you stand to your feet. When we don't receive who we are in Christ, it messes up everything in our life. It messes up our behavior. Have you ever acted in a way that wasn't Christ-like and thought, why did I do that? I've done it a bunch. If you don't believe me, ask Pastor Karen. 
Like, what, what happened? I forgot in a moment who I was. I forgot what he's made available. It messes up my behavior. Watch this, it messes up my confession. I speak negative. I, I'm, I'm cursing stuff when I should be blessing stuff. I didn't say cussing. It's a cursing. Y'all don't care. Messes up my behavior. Messes up my confession. It messes up my relationships. My priorities. It, listen, it'll mess up your ministry if you don't know who you are. If you don't know what, who you are and what he's made available, it'll mess up every part of your life. The Apostle Paul said, I pray that God grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation to do two things so that you would know who you are in Christ and what he's made available. And it's important because you and I, and I may preach this a little later in the series. I don't know how long. We may stay here a while. But we're, we're, we're supposed to be reclaiming the earth. How can you reclaim the earth when you're still living in shame? How, how can you reclaim the earth when you still live in condemnation? If you don't know that you're royal, how, how are you going to do that? When Adam and Eve sinned against God, here's what happened. Here, here's the thing we don't talk about. When they sinned against God, they became self-conscious instead of God-conscious. The enemy wants to keep you self-conscious. As long as he can keep you self-conscious, he keeps you out of the place of dominion. I was having a pity party a couple weeks ago, and Karen said, you better shake yourself out of it. Anybody thankful for God putting people in your life to tell you, just shake yourself out of that. Just shake it, shake it off. Shake yourself out of that. That's all she said. I'm like, good Lord, I got to quit crying and move on. Praise the Lord, right? You got to know who you are. You got to know what is made available. May the revelation in our hearts be greater than the limited information of our minds. The revelation here, greater than what's here. Would you bow your head? Close your eyes. No one looking around for a couple moments. If you're watching online and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to make Him the Lord of your life. We would love to pray with you. We'll do it right now. We'll even lead you in a prayer right now. You may not be here physically, but God knows where you're at. Those that are in-house, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not where I need to be with God. I, I need His grace. I need to be forgiven. I need to be saved. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor. I need to be saved today. I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Anyone at all that would say, that's me, Pastor. I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I don't know who will be watching this, maybe even later today. So I want everybody to pray this with me. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. Jesus, I ask you, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God a praise today. Thanks for listening to the Bethesda Church Podcast. If you'd like to contribute financially to our ministry, you can do so by going to bethesdachurch.tv give. See you on the next episode.